Welcome to the Match Day 2 recap show of An American in the EPL. Some surprising results, looking at you, Man U, and not so surprising ones, in Man City doing what they do. I did not watch as many games as I would have liked this weekend due to a funeral, but did watch the Liverpool game because it's my team. So let's get to it. There weren't a lot of traditional games this weekend. Most of the top teams were playing bottom sides, or traditionally bottom sides. So some of the better games to watch this week were those teams battling for the Europa League or Europa Conference. So let's get started with Aston Villa 2, Newcastle 0. Callum Wilson within the first five minutes should have put Newcastle up 1-0 after a 1v1 with the keeper. Uh, VAR would have decided if the goal had stood... Um, there might have been a couple of fouls in the buildup, but Wilson put it wide, so it didn't really matter. Uh, it was surprising for him to miss in that situation, since he is normally a very accurate um, finisher. But we have to talk about that Danny Ings goal. Um, Newcastle, super poor defending off a throw-in, and Tyrone Mings... Heads, gets a little flick on with a header, and then Ings' bicycle kick. Man, if you would have done that for Liverpool, I would have been very happy. Um, there was nothing the goalie could do. Was, if you watch the highlights, one of the replays, you see a fan in the stands start to put their um, their hands on their head as they see Ings come off the ground. Uh, the guy sees it happen before it happens and is already losing his mind because he just can't believe it. It was a very amazing goal um and one of the better bicycle kicks you'll see um a far penalty penalty for Aston Villa sealed the points and unfortunately for Newcastle their penalty was called off for offsides uh I think it was too close to call and should have stood unless there was a view not shown on the highlights but just not enough going forward for Newcastle um I'll have to talk with my friend Brian, who was a Newcastle fan, and see what he thought. Uh, I haven't heard from him. He might still be upset about the weekend. Our next game is Leeds 2, Everton 2. Leeds came back twice against Everton to get their first points of the year. Everton opened the scoring on a deserved penalty after Dominic Calvert-Lewin almost got his shirt ripped off. I don't know why the Leeds defender was protesting that he dove or that he didn't hold him. Um, He almost... Like created an off-the-shoulder look for Calvert-Lewin, and those jerseys are not made for that. So it was hilarious to watch him act like he didn't do anything. And then Calvert-Lewin converted low and hard. Even though the Leeds keeper went the right, right way, he just couldn't get a hand to it. It was hit with so much pace that there was just nothing he could do. Um, the first Leeds goal was just... Uh, example of how quickly Leeds can score um, took four passes from their own penalty box to put the ball in the back of the net yeah Rafinha held off his defender on that first pass he then passed it to Patrick Bamford and then he passed it to the filling midfielder um, Cleach uh, and he sent it past Jordan Pickford to even the score. It, I timed it. It took 10 seconds. It was just a perfect example of how quickly leads can hit you, um, hit back, and score.
Sorry, my kid's waking up, so I will resume this later. Okay, I'm back from putting my kid down for her nap, so let's see if I can finish this up before she wakes up. Every 10 second was a snapshot by Damari Gray that just snuck in the far post. I don't know much about Gray, but he was all over their highlights this week. Be an interesting one to watch going forward, see if he can provide the creativity that Hamas um, Rodriguez was. I don't know if they're going to sell him or what, but who knows. A week after Luke Ayling's, Ayling's screamer against Man U, um, you have a Rafinha putting in, uh, putting in just a, about as good of an effort as you could past Pickford. Um, he did it, hit it hard on the first time off of a corner. I got played back to him, and he just bent it in the far post. Um, he hit it with so much power, there was no chance for Pickford to even save that. And it was a really well-taken chance to get leads a point at home in front of the home fans for the first time since their return to the Premier League. Moving on to our next game, uh, Arsenal 0, Chelsea 2. In what was supposed to be a pretty big game of the weekend, um, one team looks ready to challenge for the top, and another one is still looking for their identity. Um, Lukaku started up top in his first appearance for Chelsea since he was a Chelsea player um, and then left to join Everton after not really working for Chelsea back in like 2012. Um, it didn't take long for Lukaku to uh, score about what 14 minutes something like that. It, it just shows how his hold-up play is gonna um, be a huge advantage for Chelsea this season. Um, it was so reminiscent of Didier Drogba back in the Chelsea blue um, in the mid 2000s. It was kind of scary because, <laughs> I mean, if you followed the Premier League back then, like, it seemed like every week Drogba was scoring. Um, like he he took a long pass from the back line and fed Mateo Kovacic who sent it out wide, and then Lukaku just made this bull run from his position in towards the box, and then Reese James found him all alone because he just lost his man. And then he easy tap in inside the six-yard area. So it, it was a nice worked goal, but it was all Lukaku who made that. Chelsea went two goals up in the 35th minute when right back Reese James scored. The goal is very similar to Liverpool's overload load goal. Overload goal. Man. And I'll explain that more when I get into the Liverpool game. Um, but you see Kai Havertz getting a pass off while two Arsenal defenders were on him, which stretched the Arsenal defense. And um, they, he got it off to the the left back who was filling space and then that as soon as that happened it was a four on three for Chelsea and um Reese James was just wide open on the right and they found and Mason Mount found him and he fired a shot past Bernard Leno there was nothing he could have done again he roofed it and with that hit it that hard there's no saving that one So Chelsea should have made it three, but Leno denied Lukaku spectacularly 
um, pushing his hard header off the crossbar with easily the best save of the weekend, in my opinion. Like, oh, I don't know how Lukaku didn't score. It was a brilliant save. Um, so that leads us also into Arsenal looks like a shadow of their former selves. Their defending has been atrocious, atrocious, <laughs> and I'm wondering how long Arteta has to turn this around. They finished ninth last season. They're not looking very good right now. You got to wonder how long people will be patient with him and turning things around. Are they now just a mid-table club? Like, they've been jumped by Le- uh, Leicester and even Spurs in the top six conversation. Um, were they even in it last year as, like, a possible challenge for uh, the Europa League? I, I don't think so. I don't think. I think they're just a mid-table club now. They look miles away from the top teams. Maybe um, the Norwegian young gun, um, Martin, uh, what's his last name? Oh, Odegaard, I won't, I'm butchering that, um, will help. I don't know how much, uh, Aaron Ramsdale is going to help signing a keeper. Um, I just don't know what he's going to do, what Arteta is going to do to make, to get them to contend for anything this year. I'll be shocked if they do. Um, one game I'm not going to talk much about, but I needed to mention was Man U drawing at Southampton. That's a head-scratcher for me. After thrashing Leeds, I had Man U winning this one comfortably. And, well, be it, they did score two goals today, but just happened to be an own goal from Fred. So that was a, that was my surprising result of the weekend. Um, and another game that I just want to mention, too, that slightly surprising was West Ham for four Leicester one and like are West is West Ham the real deal like they've uh, they've scored eight goals in their first two games I only watched the first half and that was par like one eye on the tv one eye on my kid um but we I did get to see the red card and the replays of it and did look a little bit harsh since it looked like Perez was stumbling but he stepped on the ankle and could have broken his leg, so I I totally get um, why he was shown a red, but there was definitely no intent um, to injure or do anything like that, so I could see it going either way. Um, but it's crazy to see West Ham at the top of the table. And the final game I'm going to cover is the regulation station game of the week. I should get some, like foreboding music to play right there um Brighton 2 Watford 0 and surprise city here Brighton has six points from their first two games and goal differential is the only thing keeping them from the top spot um I would not have expected that from them this season at all to even be this close to the top of the Premier League I still think they're going to struggle but they have a favorable, favorable early schedule win. Um, I only really see them dropping points in three of their next eight games, like based on their current form. I mean, not uh, Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool, and Brighton are the only teams to have won both of their op- both of their games this year. So, who's to say? Um, a headed co- a headed goal off the corner 
off a corner gave Brighton the lead inside of 10 minutes, and then Brighton second came just before break. Watford never really troubled Brighton, and Watford were lucky to not have lost by more. A couple of uh, just wide chances and a hit post really kept Brighton from scoring even more. Uh, I'm surprising that Watford didn't push a little bit more or even challenge Brighton in this game. Um, I thought Saar and Dennis were going to be a little bit too much for the Brighton defense to handle, but they did not challenge at all. So after match day two, West Ham are top of the table. Shock, shock, shock. Followed by Chelsea, Liverpool, and Brighton in fourth. Did not expect that fat, that top four after the first two weeks of games. And the bottom three is just as unexpected as Newcastle, Arsenal, and Norwich are there. Um, Burnley and Wolves also haven't gotten a point yet, but they are spared being in the relegation zone due to goal differential. So you kind of expected Norwich to be there. Uh, Arsenal, not so much, and maybe Newcastle a little bit. And then with that, we wrapped up segment one, and now on to segment two. Right, so on to the Liverpool portion of the show. Liverpool 2, Burnley 0. Burnley has been a thorn in Liverpool's side for a few years, and this was no different of a game. There were times where it was Allison to the rescue, uh, keeping the clean sheet, especially towards the end of the game. Um, someone had a one-on-one with him, and he closed him down and saved it with a strong left hand. Um Liverpool, while uncomfortable, still dominated possession and had the majority of the chances. The first goal for the for the Reds was well worked down the left hand side with um, Costa Samikas um, starting the last two games because Andy Robertson's out with an ankle injury, and Costa put in a wonderful cross for Diego Jota just to get ahead onto and redirect it into the goal. He didn't have to do much. It was such a well hit. Well hit cross from Costa. Um, Burnley did have two things poorly happen on the sequence. Ben Mee did not make Jota work for it at all. He didn't stay close enough and couldn't couldn't recover or make it any or make it uncomfortable for Jota. Um, two and when Sadio plays the ball to Nabi, he just stays in his position and two Burnley defenders stay with him expecting a run behind, but that never comes. So when Naby plays it to Costa out on that left side, the two one of those two guys never closed him down because they didn't leave Sadio, and that he had all day to take that cross. You could see the Burnley defender, one of the Burnley defenders, like super mad at one of those or those two guys because no one closed him down. He was punching the air with his fist, yelling at him. It was kind of funny, and like I'm not taking anything away from Costa because it was a. A beauty of a cross, but, but man, that was just really, really poor defending from Burnley. Liverpool's second goal came on a counter up the right-hand side where they just overloaded the Burnley defense. Um, I'll explain what I mean with the overload. 
So you had Mosala on the right, Sadio in the middle, and Jota on the left of in the attack against Burnley's back four. Um, the midfielders for Burnley on this in this instance were caught up field, and they they had a huge gap in between their midfielders and defense. Uh, Virgil played a wonderful pass, long pass to uh, Harvey Elliott, wide on the right, and as soon as Harvey controls it. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold filled space in the midfield and and they were five on four instantly. Um, You see the Burnley right back slide to take Harvey Elliott and the center back slide out of position to take Mo as he starts to run in behind. So when this happens, Harvey passes to Trent and this pass pulls the other Burnley center back up to to Alexander-Arnold leaving Mane all alone in the middle with one Burnley defender trying to cover both him and Jota, who's still out wide on the left. Um, Trent sees this happen and plays a first-time ball to Mane, who then, in turn, takes a first-time touch on a half-volley and smashes it um, past the keeper. It was a great finish for Mane, but the build-up was a thing of beauty. You if you are so inclined in the tactical aspect of this, you just the way they work this goal was was just what you want to see out of a Liverpool attack. Costa was deservedly man of the match, but I really wanted to shout out Harvey Elliott. He's only eighteen and didn't look like he was in over his head. Um, he took some heavy challenges from Burnley and Jurgen Klopp. I think alluded to those in his post-game press conference about how Burnley defenders were playing kind of a different game. Um, and he just kept on going. You could see that he's that he's going to be a very special player going forward. And this is his first full season, or will be his first full season. I don't see Liverpool sending him out on loan again. I mean, he tore up the championship last year. So um, there's really not much he could learn from going on another loan and I think Liverpool could help use the creativity in midfield at times they they definitely um, lack that at certain points and in certain lineups so I think uh, the more playmakers you have uh, with depth in your roster the better it's going to be going forward and that leads us to our third segment So our segment three is going to be a short one because the only American in action this weekend was Josh Sargent with a 13-minute cameo against Man City when the game was already decided. Uh, I did not watch any of the game and even stopped watching the highlights after the third Man City goal because I just wasn't interested anymore. Uh, Not surprising that Man City ran rampant and scored five, but um, I just couldn't pull myself to watch all the way to the end just to see Josh maybe get on a highlight package. So look for him to start this week in their cup game. I think the EFL actually plays today, which is the English Football League Cup. So yeah, we'll see if he actually gets a start. And being against a lesser side, I think even a couple divisions down, Hopefully he gets a goal in his debut in front of the home fans there in Norwich. Um, 
Christian Pulisic, as I mentioned, did I mention that earlier? I don't think so. He didn't play after testing positive for COVID the midweek, so we'll see if he's even um, available for the international break here uh, in early September. Um, Zach Steffen, who I haven't mentioned before because he never plays in the Premier League, will forever be behind Ederson at Man City unless there is an injury. So, yeah, pins and needles waiting for that to happen. Um, Eric Palmer Brown, also from Man City, uh, has been linked with a move to a, a league on side. Um, he, if it, that doesn't happen within the next few weeks, expect him to go out on yet another loan because that's what Man City does. They just send people out on loan. Um, Owen Adesawi made his transfer to Club Bruges in Belgium. Um, official, so we are done talking about him for the time being. And then the last, um, the last American in Cameron Carter-Vickers was hurt in midweek action for Spurs, so who knows what that means for his transfer status. Um, if it's a serious injury, he'll probably stay at Spurs until the January transfer window, and then go out on loan, or maybe they are able to find somebody to take him on a permanent transfer, so who knows? Qu- again, quick segment. Not many to talk about this week. All right, on to segment four. Okay, so for segment four, I decided to do why is it called a kit in England and not a jersey? or uniform. So after a little bit of digging on the interwebs, uh, I found that someone posted a to a forum. <laughs> I know, I probably shouldn't be taking this as fact, but here it goes. Uh, kit is a set of articles or implements used for a specific purpose, um, a collection of clothing and other personal effects. So it, it applies to a lot of different things, but not just a uniform so like shin um sorry i was reading shin guards here but um it's like a shaving kit or first aid kit it's it's that kind of thing and in this sense it's a soccer kit um and then uniform is um just one part of a player's kit so you wouldn't call a just a jersey it's uh, a kit. It's just part of the uniform. So, um, yeah, I think that's why you see the difference. Um, I know we call them jerseys most of the time, but we're never actually referencing, like, the pants or shorts that one wears. You're just m- mentioning the uh, meaning the top. So, yeah, kit versus jersey. Settled. And that wraps it up. Um I've started a website, um, which I'll post in the show notes, and there's a blog with my previews that I have yet to actually record, just because of timing, and it's kind of a lot of work, so I'll probably just end up posting previews on my blog, and yeah, you can find me there, you can email the show at anamericaninthepl at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram, an American in the EPL. So, 
yeah um thanks for listening and i'll see you at the very least next week and by see you i mean talk to you at least next week with the recap of match day three